Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. One of the most um, frustrating things um, in I find this frustrating that uh, just about humans in general, our ability to take something incredibly beautiful um, and turn it into something uh, that's pedestrian and commonplace um, and unexceptional in our minds. Um, I I hate that. And uh, we do it with everything from from new cars to new people we meet. You know, you you meet somebody initially and you're super, they're super amazing. You come home, you tell your family how amazing they are, how wonderful they are. And then after getting to know them or being with them long enough, you know, they they just, they become commonplace in our minds and hearts. Um, So... (laughs) We do this with the Lord too, obviously. Um, you know, God's taken our breath away maybe in some way before, and then at some point, at some point in our lives, He becomes commonplace um, in our minds and our hearts. And I hate that. That we can take something so great and make it commonplace. Um, Psalm 23 is one of the most recognizable chapters of the Bible. Um, and it's so recognizable that it's easy for it to become commonplace. Um, you, you know, I've heard that before. I've read that before. Uh, and, and what a tragedy. What a tragedy that is. Uh, how, and so how do we regain the wonder that we once had uh, when we were introduced to something as powerful as Psalm 23? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know other than just ask Christ for help. Ask Christ for help. Um, it, it, the Bible teaches that at the end of all things, he, he is making all things new, um, which is really, I love new. I love new. I love that he can make things new in me that have gone away. Uh, and I, I, it's so true. And I'm hoping that uh, even though he's going to do that at the end of time, that he can start in me now to make all things new, to make all things new. Um, we can remember, we talked a few weeks ago, we, we can remember how high we've fallen or how high our thoughts of Christ have fallen and do the things we did at first. Um, and even if we're not, even if we're not feeling it emotionally, um, sometimes we won't in regards to Christ. We won't feel it emotionally. If we, maybe if we do the things we did at first, maybe you know, feelings will come later. And that's what I've been trying to do these last few weeks with Psalm 23 to get us ready for Psalm 23, to meet him, to meet the Lord in Psalm 23, uh, and, and, and to, to make it new in our hearts in a way that we can't do on our own, by, by, but we can do the things maybe that we did at first, reading, meditating on it, um, putting it in front of us, asking the Lord to lead us. Um, what, what if the Lord could restore your soul? What if the Lord could refresh you in ways that maybe you don't think he can, or maybe you don't believe he will. What if he can refresh our soul? What if he can make all things new? What if he could do it? What if you believe that he could do it? What if you believe that he could do it in regards to our church family? What if you believe that he could do it in regards to the things in your heart? So many of us have been Jesus followers for so long. What if he could make all things new? This week, I'd love for you to continue spending time in Psalm 23, but this week, I want you to write, write down what you learn. I want you to write down what you learn. I'm asking you to write down what you learn. Um, and I, 
I'm asking you to, some of you to do something that you maybe don't normally do or maybe you wouldn't like to do or you wouldn't prefer to do. If, if, if when you, often when I'm with you guys, you'll say, hey, this is my pastor, Daryl. If you feel that way, if you think that that's true of me and all what our relationship is, then I'm asking you to do this. Read Psalm 23, write down what you learn. And before, and before you read, ask the Lord to begin to make all things new in you. Make all things new in you. If you do that, it's, if, we do th- if we pray, if we pray that before we read the Bible, every time we read the Bible, I, I'm, I'm, I think that that would change how we read the Bible. Then read Psalm 23. Read, read it more than once. And then as you start to write, maybe you start by naming the chapter. For example, I, 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 named, I named, as I was getting ready for this, I named the chapter, Our Father, Our Shepherd. That's my idea. What's your idea? You could you come up with your own idea. And then write down what you think the Father is saying. And the reason why I'm, act- I'm asking you to actually write down your thoughts is that it, often when you write down your thoughts, it clarifies what you're thinking and what the Lord is teaching in a way that's often impossible if you, if you just keep everything in your mind. So you just go verse by verse, right? This is what it says. This is what I think it means. This is what I think he's saying to me. And there's only six verses. Only six verses. So you could do that in one sitting or you could do one, you know, do one, one verse a day. You can get it done. And I know, I know that, so I know some of you guys have schedules and life situations that maybe will make this harder, harder for you than others. Um, and I get that. I'm just asking you to try. So you get three verses done. Woo. I'll take it. I'm asking you to try. I'm asking you to try. And if, if you want um, to, to take things further, you could even read and write down verses that use similar words or similar things that are found in those, you know, in Psalm 23 by looking up something that Bible, Bible nerds call uh, cross-references. So on BibleGateway.com, there's a way for you to look up cross-references um, for the verses that you're looking at in Psalm 23. So you look up Psalm 23 on BibleGateway.com. And when you, when you get there, at the top of the page, there's this little gear. There's this little uh, gear there. If you click that gear, um, you'll see that there's a place to check cross-references. And when you check that box, um, little small letters will appear behind certain phrases uh, in each of the verses. And you click that letter, and it'll show verses similar to, you know, the sort of verses similar to the verses that we're reading together. Um, and so, again... One of the ways you can better understand what the Lord means or what he intends when he says something in a set of verses is looking at what he has said other places about those verses. It's another way of us making things new. If you, if you take that step and then write down uh, what, what, you are, what you are doing about it, um, I, I, just, I think that's powerful. Research shows that when you write down your goals, you're at least 42% more likely to accomplish them. If you, think, if you think that that even might be true, why wouldn't we write down our goals in regards to Christ? If, if this even might be true, why wouldn't we take the time to say, I'm just going to write this goal down. If it might be true that I'm 42% more likely to accomplish it. I think that's huge. So, if you would like to do that, if you're willing to do that, if you need, if you need a tool to help you, um, I meant to bring one up here, but um, I, I printed off a tool, basically just a couple, 
couple sheets of paper that uh, kind of lay out what I've just talked about. Um, if you're here with us in person, they're out in the lobby on the, on the lobby table. If we run out, then let me know. I'll sing and I'll dance a jig and then I'll print some more. Um, and if you are at home, you can also find them on our website at arborbridgechurch.com forward slash media. Uh, if you go to um, the, the, uh, the first, uh, it'll, when you get to that page, um, the first one will have a place where you can click and uh, download uh, the same thing that I'm giving out here today. Um, love for you to do that. So today I want to spend some time looking at one of the verses and I hope to inspire you to do the same this week. Um, walk through the verses, write down what you, what you will, what you'll do with them. Um, next week, a few folks from our congregation will share one of the verses that they've been meditating on that spoke to them. Um, I'd love to hear from others of you, uh, what you're learning about the Lord from Psalm 23, um, and what you're going to do about it, what you're going to do about it. <laughs> so let's look at verse one together today. Um, I should say those of you guys, those of you guys are going to speak next week. If you want to use verse one, two, please do. Um, so let's look at verse one today. So the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, let me tell you this. Uh, a couple months ago, um, our car, our family car ended up being totaled, but nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. The Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. When the car was totaled, um, we were given $5,500 from our insurance company. And uh, we went used car shopping. If you've had your car totaled before and you have the insurance company give you money, you know how that, how that works when you turn around and go to try to buy another car. Um, torture. Used car shopping. I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, the, the current atmosphere for used car buying is, is torture. Um, my wife and I, we'd find a car that we think we, we thought we wanted. We'd call on it, and like 40 people were ahead of us. I mean, they sold it like, like that. Um, so we spent two weeks looking for a used car. Just, just awful. So then some folks from our, from our church made this uh, 2012 Subaru available to us. Um, they, were, they were looking to, uh, to, to sell the car. Um, but they, they said, while, while we're um, looking for our car, looking for a new car, um, we could use their car until we found a car that would work for us. So after we started, you know, and again, they had no pressure, no pressure for us to buy it. You know, we were, we were looking for a van. They knew that. They knew that. So, you know, no pressure to buy it. They're just letting us borrow it. While... So after we started um, driving this car, we're like, this car could work. So we looked up, we looked up 2012 Subarus to see what they would cost. And they're like eleven dollars to $12,000. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, that was a bummer. Um, and I mean, just double, double what the insurance gave us. So, you know, there's no way. There's just, there was no way we were going to be able to do that. So um, <clears throat> we, just, we just reached out to them and I said, hey, listen, we like this car. It's cool. I don't know what you're going to charge for it or what you're thinking. Um, I know. I looked it up. I know what it's worth. This is what it's worth. And if we stretch and get it together, we could probably do eight thousand. It'll be painful. We, I didn't say this, but it would be painful. We could do eight thousand. I said that to them, and I, I, it, we we actually did this conversation over email. 
And obviously, 8,000, well below what it's worth. Well below what it's worth. So they responded with the email, basically kind of laying out, hey, Daryl, listen, um, you know, this is the kind of maintenance we've been doing on it. Um, and, and, the, and, and they, you know, they're laying out the maintenance they've done in like the last six months. And they did like all this, all kinds of, all kinds of maintenance on it. Um, you know, just ridiculous. So I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I get it. Uh, and so I'm going through this. And they say, thank you for your $8,000 $8, offer, but would you consider 5000 And my first thought was, you don't know how you 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 don't know how to negotiate, brother. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. I like nothing. And you can even make the case. This car is better than the car that I had in the first place. So let my car be totaled if I'm going to get this car in return. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. So maybe there's somebody out there um, who might be, you know, might think this, maybe you're online thinking this. Man, Daryl. Uh, that's a nice story, but I just lost my job. I mean, Daryl, that's cute. That's super nice. But how about um, I can't pay my bills this month? Or how, how, do, how do I like nothing when my loved one um, is super sick or my loved one just passed? Or how do I like nothing when I don't have my health? Or how is the Lord my shepherd and I like nothing? That doesn't track with me. Um, how is the Lord my shepherd when I'm not getting my needs met? How is he my shepherd then? How do I not like anything then? Let me tell you this. So recently um, I was in Alabama and my aunt and uncle uh, took me to this museum called the, the EJ, EJI uh, Equal Justice Initiative. Super powerful. Um, if you're ever in Montgomery, you should go to it. Super powerful. Um, the, the museum tells a story of how slaves were brought to this country um, and you know, stolen from coastal countries in Africa and then brought to Alabama. They did, and it walks you through what this story was like um, and what, what, this, you know, what, the, what their lives were like. Um, so the museum is actually located on, on a place that on, on the ground where a warehouse used to be, a slave warehouse used to be. So they would bring slaves over and they wouldn't be able to sell them right away. So they would keep them in a warehouse like objects, mind boggling. So you, you, start, you start walking in and basically the first thing that happens is you're in this hallway of, of jail cells, basically, where they keep the slaves, the, 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 the warehouse. And when you go up to each of the cells, they had basically, they, you know, te- through some kind of technology, they had arranged it. So every time you walk up to a cell, when you get up to it, uh, a, a movie, a projection would come up or uh, start. And it would, it would be a person standing in front of you talking and they would, they would start to talk to you about what their lives were like. So the first one you go up to is this, is this, is this black woman, a slave, who's going, a person who's going to be a slave. And she, you, get, you stand up there, and the first thing she says to you is, have you seen my children? She says, I think I can hear them. Have you seen my children? And she starts to explain what they look like, and it, it puts you 
it puts you right there with her. And you're, 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 you're standing there and you feel so overwhelmed by the words that she's saying. You don't know what to say to her. You know, it, 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 makes you, it makes you think about, if I was standing there, what would I, what would I have said? What if you were right there with her? What would you have said? What would, if you were standing right there with her and she's asking those questions, she's saying those things about children, what would you do if that woman's actually talking to you, asking that question? I know, I know what you would do. You'd open your Bible up to Psalm 23 and you'd say, hey, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's what you would do, right? That's what you would do. Here's my question. This is my question. How... How for a woman who's been ripped from her country, separated from her children, how does this have any relevance for her? How does this make any sense to her? When the author of Psalm 23 writes, I have everything I need, what does he mean? Here's what we know he cannot mean. He cannot mean I have all my needs met. He cannot mean that God always does everything I want him to do. He he cannot mean that when my physical needs aren't being met, I have everything I need. He cannot mean that everything's going my way. He cannot mean that when I'm separated from my children, it's no big deal because the Lord's my shepherd and I've got everything I need. We shouldn't worry about little things like children. He cannot mean that. He cannot mean that. So what does it mean? Many of us have read it. Many of us have read it our whole lives. What does it mean? And this is, what I'm, this is what I'm talking about for Christians, for those of us who, Jesus followers, for our whole lives. You read Psalm 23, you see, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Does that apply to everyone or just people who live in America? We go right by it, and it's just like, mm, that's nice. The Lord's my shepherd. I've got food to eat. I got my family with me. But what if you don't? Is it still true then? Is it still true then? In the museum, you had this illustration of incredibly cramped conditions in the ships that the people were brought over from Africa in. Awful. Awful. It's an incredibly brutal six-week six trip from West Africa to Alabama in super cramped holes that were originally built for cargo, not people. And, and so they, they, tell, they tell about how when people were down under, that ship, under the ship, they're super cramped together, sitting in each other's feces and urine, and occasionally, occasionally, people would be able to get free from their shackles. They'd get up on the top of the boat, and they would jump off into the ocean. In the very next room, in the museum, it's equipped with a, with a surround sound and a huge screen, a huge screen, as, as, wide, as wide as these walls and as tall as the ceiling, as tall as the ceiling in here. And you walk into this room and, and it basically gives you like, you know, six feet in front of this huge screen. And on the screen, on, on just on loop over and over again, is the ocean. And, and it puts you, when you're standing there, it puts you 
just below the screen so that you feel like all of this is happening over your head. And so on the screen, the ocean is just, it's, it's coming up against the screen and just comes up against it. And you, it's, it's just this super overwhelming feeling. And certainly it's putting you there with the slaves. It's this moment of certain death is coming. This, you're going to drown. And as far as you can see is water. Very overwhelming. And, and, and again, certain death for the slaves that jumped overboard. You sense that coming. So let me ask you this. <sighs> when you spend a few weeks sitting in somebody else's urine, you get free, you jump off a boat into the ocean, and you're drowning. What does the sentence, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, mean to you then? Does it have any relevance? Does it mean anything? Can it mean anything for people who are in a situation like that? It feels like no, right? Listen to this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Listen to this. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? If I'm facing incredible difficulty in my life, if waves won't stop crashing over me and, 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 and let me up for breath, when I'm facing incredible heartbreak, when I'm in terrible pain, when I'm scared to death for my life, when I'm scared to death for the life of somebody that I love, I want this guy who can walk on water and tell the wind and the waves to be quiet on my side. I want him to be my shepherd. And if he's willing to do that, then I lack nothing even if he doesn't do what I want him to do. I lack nothing. And let, let, let me say this. Let me add this to, to that, to that. And again, this is what we never think about when we read Psalm 23. If the Lord is only your shepherd, 
when you get your way, if the Lord is only your shepherd when he asks you to do what you're already prone to do, what you wanted to do anyway, if the Lord's only your shepherd when he, when he does exactly what you want him to do, then he is not your shepherd. He's not your shepherd. Are you willing, are you willing to say this? The Lord is my shepherd. Even in your most desperate situation. Are you willing to say, the Lord is my shepherd? Separated from your kids. About to drown. The Lord is my shepherd. And, it's, and, maybe, and maybe this would is, this is be a better way for, for, the, for the author of Psalm 23 to write it. So did we get on the same page? The Lord is my shepherd. You are everything I need. I don't feel like you're everything I need in this moment, but you are. And, and here's the thing. And you, you know this, you know this because you, you, you our view of Christ is so small and pedestrian and meh and cramped and too far, too far, too human. And because of that, we're unwilling to allow him to have authority or control in our lives. And so last week, last week we said, uh, because, of, because we don't understand or meditate on, on who he is, it, it, it's, we don't let him have control. And it's not that the terrible things that we are facing are not that big of a deal. It's not that terrible things that we're dealing with every day are not a big deal. Or It's that our thoughts of Christ are smaller than the things that we're facing. Christ in our hearts is smaller than our worries and our problems and the terrible things we're facing. And no matter how huge they are, and again, being separated from your children, awful. Your loved one's dying, terrible. Those are terrible things. But Christ is bigger. And we don't believe that. We don't believe that. We don't believe that. But that's what the psalmist is believing. And that's what he's saying when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's because he's made Christ bigger than anything in his life. So no matter what he faces, the Lord is his shepherd. I have everything I need. It's that in our hearts, we make Christ smaller than the trouble that we are facing. And we refuse to let him be our shepherd and we refuse to do what he says. In the 2012 movie Avengers, New York City's being attacked by uh, aliens. There's all this chaos going on everywhere. Stuff's blowing up. People running for their lives. And there's one point, there's one scene, when there's these police officers all together, and they're clearly in over their heads. Clearly in over their heads. And Captain America shows up at that moment. He says to them, 
we need men in these buildings. There are people in there, and they're running right into the line of, fat, right into the line of fire. Once you get in there, I want you to take them down through the basement or the subway. Don't let them up here on the streets. I want a perimeter back to 39th. And the police captain says this. He says, why should we listen to you? And before he's done talking, there's this huge explosion. The police officers all wince. And Captain America is surrounded by these aliens. And he demolishes every one of them right in front of, right in front of these police officers like they were there like an audience. They don't do anything. And as soon as that happens, that police officer, the captain police officer, he turns around and he says, we got men in those, we need men in those buildings. There are people in there they're going to be running right into the line of fire. In our lives. Jesus shows up. He says, hey. I'm the good shepherd. I need you to follow me. I want you to read my word. I want you to pray. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to submit to each other. I want you to stop complaining. I want you to use your words to encourage. I want you to give your life for me and build up the church. I want you to make other people more important than yourself. I want you to do all these things. This is what he said. This is, this is what we said to him. Said, Why should we take orders from you? We say with our lives, why should we take orders from you? I'm just as smart as you are. I know, I, I know how to do this just, just as much as you do. Why should we take orders from you? And the reason why we would ask the question like that is that we're not paying attention. I am drowning and I am asking, why should I take orders from you? And he comes along, he comes along, we ask a question like that, and he comes along walking on water and telling the waves to shut up and then, maybe, then, maybe you're like, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I need to follow you. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to submit to people that I don't want to submit to. I'm going to stop my, I'm going to stop my complaining. I'm going to use my words to encourage. And I'm going to give my life for Christ and his body. Everything I need, he is everything I need to face the terror in front of me. He is everything I need to face the terror in front of me. So when I'm drowning and he comes to me walking on the water, he can reach down and pull me up out of it. But even better, even better, even if he doesn't, even if he decides, instead of reaching down and pulling you up, I'm going to come down. I'm going to come down with you. And even if you drown, it's me and you against the world. That is how the Lord is my shepherd. I have 
everything I need. And I'm going to tell you something, and, and maybe you won't like this, and maybe you won't feel comfortable with this, but I, I, I fully believe this. I rather drowned with Jesus Christ next to me than to be up on the water doing it without him. I want him first. And honestly, in the end, that's what we all are going to want. That's what we are all going to want. That is what it means when we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It doesn't mean everything has to go my way. It doesn't mean I love everything he's doing. It doesn't mean that I love everything that's going on in my life. It means the most powerful being in the universe is on my side and willing to walk with me. I have everything I need. When we say the Lord is my shepherd, it immediately implies a profound working relationship between us and him. I'm admitting I'm a sheep that's prone to wander off, prone to get myself in trouble. The Bible says all of us were like sheep that have wandered off. We have each gone our own way, but the Lord gave him the punishment we deserved. Here's my invitation to you. Here's my invitation to you. We're going to take communion together today. And as we do that, my invitation to you is just confess. Just confess. The Lord is my shepherd. And again, if you don't want to, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. My invitation to you today is to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Even if you don't believe it, you don't believe it, but you want to believe it, to lean into it and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I've gone my own way and it doesn't work out. Maybe you don't know that yet. You've gone your own way. You don't know that's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. And then it's not going to work out. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I want you to confess that to him today as you take communion together. Let's pray together as we confess those words to the Lord. Dear Father, you are our shepherd. We won't be wanting. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You lead us on the right path for your name's sake. And even though, even though, even though we walk through the darkest valley, we will not fear. For you are with us. Even though we, lead, we walk into shadows, we will not fear because we've seen the sun. I pray that we would submit to that. That we would make that true of us in our life. The Lord is my shepherd and I like nothing. Make that true in our lives and those of us, those of us, those of us who are hearing me pray this now who don't want that. I pray they would be willing to admit that to themselves. 
admit that to themselves. But if they want to want it, if they want to want it, give them the strength to pray, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need, even if they don't believe it. Even if they only have a mustard seed of faith to believe it. Give them the strength to pray that. And then I pray that you'd become that in our lives. I pray that you'd become that. And that no matter what you do in our lives or in the lives of this church, we would be good with, we would be good with it. We'd be okay with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.